Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And on this week's Screen Verdict podcast, another first. What? We're going to be doing a mid-season review. Yes. We couldn't wait till the end of the season. We're just so excited about Showtime's Homeland Yeah, that we decided to do a review six episodes in. It's not just a favourite of ours, but definitely a favourite of all our listeners too. Uh, more people have listened to and downloaded our Homeland Season 1 podcast than any other. Pretty much every podcast, all the comments are less less film reviews, less killing them softly, less Argo, more Homeland. More Homeland. So we're bringing you more Homeland. Um, if you're fans of our podcast, you can uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash screenverdictpodcast. Um, or you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. But yes, Homeland, it's a TV show. It's a TV show, Homeland. And, and we're going to be talking about it and what happens in the show. Mm. So, bit of a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those that haven't seen any of season two yet, we are going to be talking about what happens. So, if you haven't seen any of it or you've only seen season one, you can check out our first Homeland podcast because yes. there's a spoiler-free section and a spoiler section. This is for those like us who are up to date with Homeland. Yeah. Or to the couple of people out there that may not care about Homeland, just want to hear us talk about anything. Yeah, we cater to everyone yes. on the Screen Verdict podcast. Yeah, even people who don't like Homeland. <laughs> Yeah, Homeland, a show all about, uh, uh, like, I guess, terrorist plots and uh, covert operations and things. And um, the TV show Homeland caused a bit of a coup at the Emmys this year. <laughs> uh, no, Not many people were predicting it, but uh, I was able to upset four-time, uh, four-time winner Mad Men, which was undefeated up until this year. And um, a show that some people seem to like, Downton Abbey. <laughs> well, you kept telling me it was a water cooler show, Matt, so apparently... Water cooler talk translates to success at the Emmys. And all those Emmy voters hang out at the water cooler. Yeah. They're always at the water cooler, those Academy voters. We need to be plugging the podcast that water yeah. cooler <laughs> yes. So we thought we'd start the podcast by talking about how season one finished. What's the state of play, I guess, yes. for the beginning of season two? Mm. So last season you had Carrie, who is works with CIA. And she was convinced this war hero, Brody, who had been uh, rescued from being captured by, I don't know, people somewhere. In Iraq. In Iraq. He was passed around, might have been held by Hezbollah at one point, and then Abu Nazir, sort of the Mm. main terrorist character in the show. So he's rescued and becomes a bit of a hero because he's went through uh, being captured, being a prisoner of war, former prisoner of war. But Carrie thinks he might be a terrorist. So she starts spying on him. That was the big question for season one. Is Brody a terrorist or not? Mm. He was. He was. Yeah, he was. I guess there was a little bit of a question there. Because yeah. we were... I guess we grew to like Brody in a yeah. way. Mm. And at the end, when the, the terrorist plot sort of comes to fruition, when he's supposed to... Blow up the vice president... He doesn't do it. Mm. So, does that make him not a terrorist? Mm. I think he's still a terrorist. I guess if you're... Well, though, if you've attempted to murder someone, but you haven't actually murdered them, you're not a murderer. Yeah. He's a non-practicing terrorist. Yes. (laughs) 
learn yes. to control his, his terrorist, terrorist. Uh, yes. inclinations. Yeah, so maybe not technically a terrorist. He hasn't caused any terror yet. And I guess not blowing up the bomb helped uh, not get caught because yeah. the CIA, other than Carrie, doesn't think he is a terrorist. Yes. He ends up being elected as a congressman. Yes. So Carrie, who was so sure that he was a terrorist and then put her reputation basically on it, ends up thinking that she's gone crazy mm. because there was the on-running thing of her and her meds and mm. uh, she thinks she's lost it. So the, the season one ends with her getting electroshock therapy treatment. Mm. She was a bit crazy, though. Yeah. She was a bit unstable. Even though it seemed like she was at her best when she was yeah. unstable. Yeah. She had everything up on the wall, the colour coding. She was a um, crazy genius. Beautiful minding it yeah. all over the apartment. Yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely. Brody meets up with the terrorists at the end of last season. And they said, what happened, man? You meant to blow up the vice president. He's like, oh, yeah, I've got, well, I, we've, got, we've got a new plan. I will become friends with the vice president and then be able to do something even worse. Influence policy. Influence policy. Um, which they seem to buy. So I guess this season you have Carrie shut out from the CIA. She's lost her job. Yeah, she's lost her job. She's out of it. And Brody working with the vice president in Congress... May and I guess the big question is, what's he going to do there? Yeah, it looks like the vice president might ask him to be his running mate mm. for when he runs for president. So Brody could get all the way as high up as vice president. Yeah, able to influence policy a little bit there. Mm. So I guess yeah, we're wondering what will Brody do, and will Carrie ever find out that she wasn't crazy, come back into the CIA, and somehow have a role? In, uh, you did the answer you to the second question is definitely <laughs> yes. It's like, imagine if just half of Homeland is just spent on, like, Carrie being a teacher. Yeah. And it's about love interests, and it just has nothing, yeah, to, nothing do to do with the Brody, Brody. storyline. <laughs> um, so let's get into this season two. So Carrie's brought back into the mix pretty quickly. Yeah. She's living, I think, at her sister's house with her father. Yeah, living with family, it seems. She's trying to recover. She's on her meds now, mm. and... She's trying to take it easy. I think she's teaching uh, uh, English to immigrants. Yeah. Trying doing, to forget about the CIA. Doing a bit gardening, I think. I'll be mm. out with the garden. So there's a good thing to take your mind off things. I think uh, when people lose their job, it's good to find things to, to keep yourself busy. Go do some gardening. Maybe go to a dance class, go to jazzercise, something like that. Like, just something to keep you busy. A cooking class, like, whatever you're interested in. And uh, she's taken this approach, and I think it's it's going quite well for her. But something goes down in Beirut, I believe. Mm. A former contact of Carrie's yes. tries to contact the CIA, saying she has information about a possible terrorist attack. Mm. But she doesn't want to speak to anyone but Carrie. Yeah. So the CIA has kind of screwed Carrie over quite a bit. They've said, you're crazy, you have no job here, get out. And then kind of have to come back and like, hey, Carrie, would you yeah. mind just doing us a little favour? Yeah. Uh, we need you to go all the way to Beirut <laughs> to get some uh, information on a terrorist attack for us. This is a valuable lesson about burning bridges, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, so they get her back uh, to go to Beirut. Yeah, she agrees, but she's not that stable. Things don't go that smoothly when she gets there. She starts yeah. getting tailed. They don't want her to, 
tackle the situation on her own, but she goes into carry mode. She's like, I'm going to lose these guys. Hmm. Gets into a bit of a, a fight in a market. She's changing headdresses in order to trick the guy. And I thought that was a really funny scene, actually. Finishes that. And then the way she walks out of it really quickly with just, like, this maniac smile on her face. Like, yeah. she just loved being back in the action so much. Yeah, it seemed like a little kid, didn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. She, she kicked him in the groin. Yeah, too, didn't I she? need a terrorist in the balls. Bam. <laughs> Cheap shot, Carrie. Cheap shot. <laughs> Not cool. <laughs> so she ends up running off and meeting up with this this girl a bit off the grid. Like, they're meant to be meeting at a cafe. Or Saul's meant to be there. It's meant to be very well monitored and stuff. But Carrie's like, oh, I know where she goes to church. I'm just going to meet up with her there. So she goes to her mosque, which means, hey, like, I just happened to be in Beirut. How are you going? <laughs> and the girl's like, oh, it's like, I haven't seen you in years. That's <laughs> not what happened. They didn't just <laughs> pretend to bump into each other. <laughs> she says, I knew you'd be here. That's why yeah. I decided to come here than the scheduled meeting place. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know. So she gets the information, hey... So the girl she's meeting up with, the informant's husband, is meeting with Abu Nazir the next day. Yeah. Well, that's big news. He's like the head of the terrorist organisation. Yeah. But the problem is, Carrie did this on her own. Yeah. And the CIA suspects Carrie to be a bit unstable, so they're not sure whether to believe this information because they think she's obsessed with Abu Nazir. Mm. So I think with a bit of talking from Saul... The CIA decide, okay, we'll give it a crack. We might as well see if this is going to shake out. Yeah, I think the thing people liked about Saul in season one was that he seemed like a pretty smart guy. He was a good guy trying to do the best for the CIA and his country. Hmm. And he always supported Carrie. Like, he was a good sort of father figure to Carrie. But he also called out Carrie on when she was doing things that were wrong. He didn't just back Carrie no matter what. Yeah. I think this season he's almost become a parody of himself already. Oh. Like, they, the only thing he seems to be doing is ever just going, yeah, Carrie, like, you can do this. Yeah, Carrie, I believe in you. Yeah. I have to make this decision. I'm going to go with you, Carrie. It's like, is the, it, have you had any other scenes other than that this season? Um, no, not really. So, yeah. Saul says, all right, we'll go with you, Carrie. And they set up this operation to watch and the meat was supposed to go down and target Abu Nazir. Let's let's go a bit back in time to what Brody's been up to. Yeah, where's where's well, Brody? Where's Brody? At Brody? While so this is the, going that's on. the Carrie story. So Brody is in Congress. He's a congressman and I think mm-hmm. a fairly popular one because of his war hero status. Yeah. He is friends of the vice president mm-hmm. and as you said the vice president has pegged him as a possible VP candidate for when the vice president runs for president, which seems like it's pretty soon. Yeah, everyone seems to be talking about it like it's coming up, and is a lock as well. Yeah, like he's he's got this in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> just just be careful with that first debate, okay? You can let someone back in the race if you do a bad first debate, Mister <laughs> Vice President. It seems like it, it always seems like the way they're talking about it, he's going to be president in like a month or so. Like it seems like yeah. no, no, they haven't had the conventions and stuff yet. But like everyone's everyone's gearing up. I'm not sure what the pre, what Obama's doing. Like <laughs> there's also a very interesting timeline now. We think of it because Obama's the president, right? No, I think this is like a 24 type situation. I thought there's just fictional. 
presidents and vice presidents. I thought I saw Carrie look at the paper in an episode and there's like a photo of like Obama and Romney. Well, that guy is playing the vice president. Who's Obama's vice president? Joe Biden. Is he Joe Biden? No, they just replaced Joe Biden with this guy. He's not playing Joe Biden. <laughs> I know he's not playing Joe Biden. So if he's not playing Joe Biden, how is Obama the president? Obama's in the like, opening credits for, for Homeland. So Because they've, they've never referred to the president on the show, who he is. Yeah, that's true. And Obama's in the opening credits of the show. So are they just assuming Obama's just not going to run for a second term? I don't know. Because in this set, in present time? Maybe he's not meant to be the president. Maybe I've made a leap. Maybe I've connected dots poorly. I don't know. That would be pretty ridiculous. I'm go- I, How I have it in my head is this is a bit of a 24-type yeah. situation. So they don't actually directly refer to which party either member is on. The president... It's just not really referred to, and the vice president, Vice President Walden, is a fictional character. Yes, because he's a bit of a bad guy. Well, you couldn't he, really yeah. have you couldn't really have the vice president painted in such a light as VP Walden is is in the show. And it's also a little bit like it would also reflect incredibly poorly on Obama. <laughs> Obama, he's got this just evil guy doing evil things in the vice presidency office. Do you think Obama would take back the statement that Homeland's one of his favorite shows? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's the president that's just sitting back doing nothing while the vice president's doing all the foreign policy stuff behind <laughs> his back. Yeah. So maybe it's not Obama as president. Maybe it's a fictional one. If you know, let us know on the Facebook fan page. You have some evidence. I thought I saw a newspaper that Kerry was looking at in an episode with Obama and Romney on it. That obviously wouldn't make any sense with the current election <laughs> storyline. So maybe I just read into that. Um, maybe I was I don't know, reading an article on my computer about the election at the same time. You do it? like to multitask. Yeah, I you probably saw an actual article <laughs> yeah. while watching Homeland. Yeah, okay. So anyway. Um, so let's th- come back to Brody. Yeah, let's go back What's to going Brody. On with Brody? He's, he's, pres- uh, he's president. <laughs> he might be the vice president. He's getting very chummy with the vice president. Brody's wife is getting very chummy with the vice president's wife, too. They're all uh, becoming pretty close. Everything seems to be going well for him. Mm, he's going well. But then this girl meets up with him. She seems to have a government job in the same building as Brody. Mm. And she comes up to him or you know, gets a meeting in his office and starts talking about Abu Nazir. And he's a bit worried, is this a trap? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Yeah. And she wants him to help get them information. And he's like, oh, I didn't really think I'd have to have anything to do with you. I just thought I'd try and influence policy. But mm. they want direct help sort of getting classified information that could possibly help them with an attack. Mm. So this is where we get the interesting question comes back to, is or isn't Brody a terrorist? Mm. And something just to point out, was something that happened at the end of season one, he did kill Tom Walker. So yes. we know he's capable of violence. Even yes. though, in a way, we like Brody. I guess, I don't know, are we rooting for him to not be a terrorist? Or I'm not really sure, but know. we do know he's capable of murder. I think if he wasn't a terrorist, it would be a bit boring. Like, they need to give him something more interesting to do if he wasn't a terrorist. <laughs> right? Like, they kind of say, well, and he's a competent congressman and vice presidential candidate. <laughs> like, I think he's a, even he's to be fighting the terrorists, 
or one of the terrorists. He can't be just this person who's just a congressman and that's all there is about him. Carrie just gardens, he just does... Yeah, he just takes congressional <laughs> votes in the campaign. stops, yeah. So he, he goes, okay, yeah. She goes, yeah, I mean, is he here? You know, we're expecting you to do stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course, that's the whole plan. So then she calls him a little later and says, okay, you're meeting with the secretary of whoever. He's got some secret files. And then while I'm chatting with him out of the office... You've got to get those files, photocopy them, take photos of them, send them through to us, and then we have... I can't remember what it was, military base information or something like that. I don't know. I hated that scene. That scene was so bad. It's like... I was like watching... This is my problem with the cheap tension trickery in Argo. It's like, you know he's going to get them. They're not going to catch Brody doing something wrong, like halfway into episode one of Homeland. So... It's like, oh, there's a noise. Oh, is he going to come back into the room while he's in the safe that he's not supposed to be? And, like, of course, he gets it. Oh, but then I left my notepad out. Swipe the notepad. Like, God, come on, man. You just wasted, like, five minutes of my time. It seems very uh, high school, too. We need to get the answers to those test papers. (laughs) So I'll get the teacher out of the room. I'll talk to him. Um, And you you go in his desk and get them out, take photos of him, then put him back in the desk and sit, sit down. Like, I feel like that's what I was thinking when I was watching this scene. This is just a high school prank. Oh, yeah, you're the hot girl. You take the teacher out. You'll distract him the most, and uh, I'll get the answers. That's sort of what they did, that the girl's pretty attractive. Yeah, she's incredibly the most attractive girl on the show. Oh, take that, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so hot terrorist on on Homeland this season. Controversial move. (laughs) And this is what my big problem... This is one of my problems with the beginning of this season of Homeland. It seems like we have this girl team up with Brody. She's sort of the terrorist sort of communication person. And it seems like for the beginning of the season, every episode, there's a little terrorist errand for Brody to run. <laughs> Some little scheme they've got him running. And part of me was like, I'm not sure if you would get someone in his position to be doing all these things. Like... I guess they needed that base information. I guess no one else had access, but it sort of was just in a drawer. Like, surely they could just get a cleaner or something in there. Like, because <laughs> him blowing his cover, that is your most valuable asset as a terrorist organization. You cannot afford to have him caught doing anything. I think that's something that the show is exploring the fact that, or the question of how much the terrorists value Brody in terms of his desire to influence policy, or do they really just want to cause violence and mayhem? Because they have him in a great position to do things, but really they're just concerned with this attack. And so this is what comes up. Does Abu Nazir want to do things peacefully, or is he just a sort of murderous, violent maniac that wants to pull off a terrorist attack against American civilians? Oh, it's definitely the latter. But I'm just thinking... uh, Which is then interesting for Brody to process... Do yeah. I want to be a part yes. of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, is something that the show explores throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. Because they definitely want—they well, don't care about policy change. If they cared about policy change, they'd be pouring their money into the political process in America <laughs> to get people who support their policy goals elected in congressional districts. They obviously then wouldn't be terrorist organisations. They would be political action groups. <laughs> but like, like there are other groups that do do this. So, yeah, they obviously don't care about that at all. They just want a big mayhem terrorist attack. 
again, probably something more interesting to happen in the show. Yeah. Like, do we want the impending threat of an opposing uh, political candidate? <laughs> or do we want the opposing threat of a bomb going off? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Although... <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like we'd be terrible writers for the show, Homer. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the ideas we come up like, no, get rid of the bomb. Let's just have a politician. Now, get rid of the CIA stuff. More of Carrie Gardening. Yeah. Well, this isn't things I would rather. <laughs> this is just advice if I was in the real world situation that I would be giving these people. I would be saying, hey, don't worry about blowing things up. Maybe put money into the political process. Hey, maybe don't get involved in these crazy CIA schemes. Just do a bit of gardening. So... Brody is working with these guys and carries in Beirut helping to get Abu Nazir. And these two things come to a head because they have the operation to get Abu Nazir and guess what? The vice president calls his new best friend Brody (laughs) into the situation room when this is going down. So Brody is watching this and he realises... Abu Nazir's about to be taken out, so he sends a text to someone. I think it said May 1. Mm. That's a code for you're about to be shot in the face. Oh. If I ever text you May 1, duck. Yeah. <laughs> I've just figured it out. I've cracked it. The code. Yeah. The 1st of May is May Day. Oh, yeah, I like it. May Day. It's a bit obvious. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he takes that to. Perhaps not Abu Nazir directly, that's perhaps forwarded on. But uh, just as uh, the snipers are about to take him out, Abu Nazir gets uh, a whisper in the ear, and the informant's husband gets taken out, the Hezbollah leader, but Abu Nazir gets away. Yeah. So, I guess a minor victory for the CIA, but they missed their opportunity to get Abu Nazir mm. because of Brody. And vindication for Kerry. She was right. It was, like, it's not her fault. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't believe yeah. Abu Nazir would necessarily show up, and he yeah, did. he did. So another thing that uh, will hopefully help her weasel her way back into weasel her way back into the CIA. Yeah, she then tries to undo that by being a maniac. Yeah, they go to pick up the informant, and a bit of a crowd swarms. There's some pretty rough looking dudes yeah. with some guns saying, "Oh, who are these? Who are these someone, guys here?" After the shooting has just gone down. Yeah, I think someone had taken a photo of one of them and they were really upset. <laughs> like an Argo. So Carrie decides to just run in and start looking for uh, for information from the uh, Hezbollah operatives' house, and she scrapes together some papers and some things, but. Then there's just mayhem. People start shooting. There's a chase scene. She could have got shot. Mm. And she could have got the CIA guy killed who's trying to save her. Mm. But uh, luckily he catches up with her and they they make it out with whatever info, which may or might not have even been important, that Carrie found. I I still think it was an alright move of Carrie's. Like, there's a terrorist attack going down in America. They probably, like, they need information. Mm. Well, it turns out there was something. Yes. Because Saul finds, a, I think, an, uh, an SD card sewn into the bag and he opens it up and inside is a video, a video of Brody giving his sort of suicide message, the, here's what I'm about to do, I'm about to do a terrorist attack and I want to explain myself. Yeah. I'm blowing out the vice president, I don't like him, suck on that America. How did this get to some dude's house in Beirut? I think we saw him film a bit of it last season. 
Yes. And he put the SD card, was it on the bottom of a bench or in a park somewhere? He put it somewhere which was obviously meant to be picked up by someone. It was probably picked up by Abu Nazir's friend that spoke to him and got him to kill Tom Walker, maybe? And then maybe he just took it back to Brute? Right. Doesn't he know he can just put it on YouTube with a delayed upload? It's like, I'm going to do the attack tomorrow. I'll, I'll just put this on YouTube, but with it scheduled to upload uh, two days from now. Can you do that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, even if you don't know that, you can get a friend. Like, oh, I've got this YouTube video. Can you <laughs> upload in a couple of days? <laughs> yeah, there'll probably have to be a friend within the organization. The friend might check it beforehand. <laughs> Imagine if I gave you a video like that. They're like, oh, man, I'm going away. I need this video up tomorrow on YouTube. And just check it. It's like, oh, I'm going to blow up the vice president. <laughs> might tell someone about pass that along. <laughs> yeah, or, or like... You give it to me to upload the next day. I don't check it. You say, don't check it. It's personal. Okay, fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their privacy. Uh, And then you blow up in an embassy with the vice president (laughs) the next day. We're probably not going to go like the next day. Oh, Jonathan wanted me to upload this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I think that's probably how I got to Baruch. Just passed along there. This was kind of surprising to me. I kind of like this because I thought season one, a lot of it's going to be is or isn't Brody Terrace. This season, it's going to be like how long before they find out he is, whether Carrie's able to prove it. Carrie's not even... Well, I guess Carrie played a part, but it wasn't directly her who was able to find the Mm. smoking gun. And it happened in episode two. I was like, wow, episode two, they already know that uh, Brody's a terrorist. And then beginning of episode three, Saul is going through the airport security, and they like take the SD card out of his briefcase. He's hidden in a little compartment. They find and they he goes, no, I need that. You're causing a diplomatic incident. Yeah. They're like, well, suck on this. Yeah, don't don't, don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you agree to our, uh, we're allowed to take stuff off you. So I was very worried then that, oh, they're going to go nowhere with this tape. Like, <laughs> they've lo- he's lost the tape and now he's going to be the crazy one trying to convince <laughs> everyone Brody's a terrorist. ends up with yeah, Saul getting electrocuted. Yeah, at the end of it. He's going, Brody's a terrorist. I saw the tape. Well, where's the tape? Oh, the security took me off it at the <laughs> airport. They found it in my secret compartment in the brief. Like, uh, Saul, come on, you're not Jack Bauer, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, fortunately, Saul was a few steps ahead and had put the SD card... I think it was still in the... The briefcase, but the, the, briefcase. Buckle, the buckle or the lock of the briefcase. Yeah, hidden one not very well and hidden the real one in a better place. I would hope there was also a third or fourth one. Like, I feel like you (laughs) might as well not just like... (laughs) Or email it to yourself as well. I'd just make sure there's lots of copies of this around because it's probably bad case scenario if this gets out in a way you don't want it to get out. But it's much worse if this just gets lost. I feel like if I'm the security guy and I find, like, three hidden SD cards in this thing, I think I'm just going to take the case. Like, I'm not just going to pull out SD card after SD card. It's like, ha-ha, you didn't find it. It was the 12th hidden one that was the real tape. Yeah. Imagine if they did all that and they didn't even check for one. They just took the case. They probably could have just put one in his beard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
So, so moving on to a bit more of the D, the episode three's plot points, like I guess, like that's just the opening of it. It's quite heavily focused on Brody trying to get to a fundraiser. Yes. His wife, Jessica, has been asked to host this fundraiser. He's supposed to be the guest speaker. He promises that he's going to be there. And things with Brody and his wife have not been great this season, mm. probably. Uh, they start off and she finds out he's a Muslim. Yeah. Which she's quite upset about. Throws the Quran on the ground. Yeah. Which he goes, that's not going to touch the ground. <laughs> you seriously just say that? Yeah. Yes. Twist for the end of episode one. one. He buries a Quran. Yeah. It's died. <laughs> the witch from the witch from Wizard of Oz can't touch water. A Quran can't touch the ground. Obviously, we're all for religious acceptance and uh, tolerance and things like that on the podcast. But I think in some way she is largely upset that he has kept this from her. Yes. That seems like the main thing. And I guess it would also be a bit confusing if your husband was kidnapped by terrorists who are terrorists who claim affiliation with the Muslim faith, that that would be something that would turn your husband, your husband would come through that a Muslim. There'd be an interesting story there at least and something that you'd want explained to you probably. Maybe there was a Muslim that showed him kindness while he was over there. but And he doesn't really give a good story. He's just like, well, this is it. I'm a Muslim now. <laughs> like, stop stop being a bigot. Like, <laughs> She's getting this fundraiser going. I think she's pretty excited about him being vice president. And I think they're starting, their relationship is starting to get a bit better. They even almost have sex in the kitchen. Kitchen sex? Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, he gets a kitchen sex going on, but the kids walk in. Just Dana. Everyone, I think yeah. the Homeland writers have realised no one cares for Chris on yeah. the show. Yeah. It, it was always like everything that happened with them, it was like the kids in yeah. season one. Now Dana's got her own plot line. Yeah. She's hanging out with the vice president and saying, like, yeah. Chris, like, where's Chris's karate lessons? I want to see more of Chris, more, more karate gradings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Dana... And Dana I think uh, Brody and his wife would like to see less of Dana when she's walking <laughs> in when they're about to have kitchen sex. Um, and I, I, just, I thought that was... Um, firstly, this happens in TV a lot more than any other time. Like, I, I, I've never heard many stories of, like, people walking in on their parents, like, about to have kitchen sex or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it seems to happen on quite a lot of TV shows. And they have, I think, a pretty priceless reaction when she walks in. They quickly get up. Oh, you, uh, you, you, you're back early. I just thought for Brody, who is someone who has for a whole, over a season, pretended to be a terrorist. <laughs> he had, like, the worst poker face for this situation. He just, like, looks so... I think adjusting your pants is like mistake 101 when you're trying to hide the fact that you're just about to have sex in the kitchen. He is uh, not as good at covering up sex as he is terrorist plots. (laughs) Like he can say to a straight straight face to his daughter, I'm not a terrorist, this lady's crazy. But then caught having sex, oh, 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 we're just uh, cooking up a pie. (laughs) And this is very interesting for TV. He definitely had an erection. What? <laughs> you could see when he got up. It's just the pants, man. That's just the pants. 
when you're sitting, it can fall like that. Look at that. Look how high my pants are. But right you're now. sitting down. Yeah, I'm standing up. Oh, and yeah. It, yeah. It flattens out. Yeah. Wow. All right. This just in. Damien Lewis. Probably had an erection on set. Yeah, I was like, that's very noticeable. <laughs> like, that's... So there you go. But anyway, so things are going well with him and his wife. Sex interruption notwithstanding. But then he gets called away on another terrorist errand to go and, I don't know, pick up a guy from Gettysburg, take him somewhere else, the CIA are on to him. This guy made the vest bomb... For Brody to wear at the end of season one. Ah, oh, because he—I I didn't realize this. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the whole point of that. Okay, that story. Yeah. So in season one, he goes to Gettysburg, and they visit the sort of uh, historical site. So while he's there, he goes up and picks up uh, the bomb that he straps to himself, mm-hmm. but doesn't end up actually blowing up. So this guy is the only person that I think has actually seen. Brody's face that knows that he's a terrorist and sort mm. of could link him to that. So it's pretty important that they get him. Mm. Now, I don't know if they had good intentions for this guy, but at least say to him, we need to get you to a safe house. Yes. So he goes and picks him up and the guy starts to get a bit worried. Mm. He doesn't trust Brody and he makes a run for it. The mm. car breaks down the whole time he's, Brody's getting calls from his wife saying, oh, are you coming to the thing yet? And this guy makes a break for it. Brody has to run after him. Took him a while to catch him up. I thought, like, Brody, he's like a Marine, he's yeah. looked like an athlete. Mm. But it takes him, like, a good run into the forest before yeah. he eventually catches up. Mm. Poor Basil trips and uh, lands, I guess, on sort of a sharp tree stump type thing. And he needs to go to the hospital. But Brody can't take him to the hospital. Yeah. And, of course, at this point, he gets another call from Jesse. It's all coming together. This is the most stressful situation. Brody's got blood on him. He's out in the forest. He's not where he's supposed to be. Mm. And this guy just keeps on going, oh, take me to the hospital. So he snaps his neck. Yeah. Now, up until this point, I think Brody had done everything that he could without sort of crossing any moral lines. Like, look, I take this guy to the safe house. I'll try and get back to my wife. But then when you kill a dude because he won't shut up about the fact that he's bleeding, it's kind of like, hmm... I guess Brody's not the good guy I sometimes start to think he is. To be fair, this guy he killed did make a uh, explosive vest to blow up the vice president of the United States. But he was going to blow up. You can't be like, you're a bad guy. You make bombs. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm just going to kill you. But it's not like he killed I'm like him. the Batman of the forest. <laughs> Yeah, this I did. I did not care for this storyline. <laughs> Brody, he said to the girl. The girl's like, Brody, we need you to do this. And he said, Well, I got a political function tonight that I'm making a speech at. Like, and she, no, no, you'll do it in heaps of time. I don't like driving all the way. To, like, it seemed like even if nothing had gone wrong, he's cut, they're cutting it very fine. Like, <laughs> um, and then you know, with these sorts of things, something always goes wrong. So. And then he goes a flat tire, and then he's got to try and change a tire. It just seemed very sitcomish. Just everything that went wrong, like anything that could go wrong, did go wrong. Yeah, I did, did not really care for this storyline much at all. So he doesn't make it. His wife does the speech instead. Does she a does a good job, job. despite the fact that it seems like it's for a charity. She's trying to raise money, right? She has this big speech on how they could be better spending the money. 
Like, she sort of proposes a whole new fund for them to be putting money into. Like, if I was the director of this charity, I'd be going, I would rather a heads up before you get up and start saying how we're going to be allocating this money that we're spending. (laughs) So he comes home, she's angry, whatever. And the end of the episode, Saul shows the tape to Carrie. So we pretty much had the same end of episode as we had the episode before, except just a different person getting shown the tape. Here's something I've learned from Homeland Season 2. The Homeland writers are very impressed with that tape. They think that Damien Lewis is acting, the writing, that tape is genius because we've heard good chunks of that tape over and over in each episode since it's been found. The same things as well. I think we've heard the first ten seconds of that tape about ten times in the first six episodes. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brody. I'm going to tell you things now. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we don't like it enough to remember what he actually says, but the Homeland writers like it. They love that tape. I was going to mention how many times we actually saw the beginning Uh, of that tape. Do you reckon they should put that on YouTube, the whole unedited suicide tape? Yeah, that could be interesting, because if you are intrigued by that, then you could watch it uh, without having your episode of Homeland interrupted by it. Yeah, because I feel like it will always... I was like going, oh, now we'll get up to a different bit of the tape, and then we don't. Then it cuts to another scene, <laughs> and then, like, just someone walks in. Oh, I can't believe Brody said that! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so episode four starts the same way that episode three ends, where they show someone else the tape. <laughs> They show someone else the tape. They show... SDs. He's been a bit against Carrie and stuff all along. He's been a bit of the Captain Negative. He's just bitter because they didn't work out, man. Yeah. But um, now he's obviously, oh my gosh, Brody was a terrorist. Carrie was right. We're going to need to do something about this. She gets reinstated pretty quickly. Yeah. He's just like, um, whoops. Yeah, you can have your job back. Well, he had a lot of egg on his face with Brody being a terrorist. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone that he was very adamant to carry, stop bothering this, this young this young man, this, this upstanding member of the community. So, yeah, she's back. I guess they had the option, we can arrest him straight away. We can just arrest him. We've got, like, probably enough evidence that he's a terrorist too for grounds for an arrest. But they decide not to do that. Saul has a better idea. An idea that will probably make for better TV. <laughs> They decide to spy on Brody. So they put in some hidden cameras and microphones and decide to follow him to see if he can lead them to other people in the terrorist organisation so they can find the plot and have Mm. a better chance of stopping it. Yes. This reminded me of season one of Homeland. Season one of Homeland is a lot of surveillance, cameras, Carrie in a room watching Brody. Yeah. This is is kind of back to the Homeland I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I quite liked it because it was sort of old school Homeland, but it was sort of a, a little different. Like before, it was very do it yourself sort of surveillance. Yeah. Carrie sort of doing it from her house, having to pay a couple of contractors to come in and do it. Now it's sort of CIA endorsed, but kept pretty secret. So they're in actual the warehouse. They've got so many more cameras, so many more resources. So, like, she's gone pro this year with the surveillance. I like how she brings in the same yeah. guys, though. It's like, now you've got all the resources of the CIA at your disposal. And she just brings it. Yeah, oh, these are the two guys I did all my illegal surveillance with. Can they be on the team? And the CIA is like, yeah, come on, Virgil. Yeah. Matt or Mike or whatever yeah. your name is. Set up your gear. Set up your... 
<laughs> so yeah, that's funny. It's like sort of like if you get someone to paint like your house, like a roof of your house, and then you move to a business, and they're like refurbishing the whole offices. You're like, oh, I know a guy. Yeah, I'll bring Steve. Yeah, I'll bring Steve. He does all the houses in the neighbourhood. <laughs> so no, that's good. So they're they're in there, they're surveilling, and I was actually um, thinking this is pretty good. Like, um, but. They obviously were a bit sick of season one with, like, sort of just spending five episodes of surveillance with not much <laughs> happening. This new guy who's come in, they brought in a new guy to help him with this. He's got a bit of attitude. I guess he, he's a bit impatient. Carrie last season just was waiting all day. He's obviously a bit more to the point. He's like, oh, let's let's do something just poke the fire a little bit. Like, let's... Can you bump into him at CIA today, Carrie? Because they're trying to make him a bit spooked, think, ooh... They might be onto me. They might suspect me. Carries back of the CIA, and they think he'll go to his contact because mm. they're already following him. And when he does, that's when they'll have their lead. So it works. This does mm. spook him a bit. So after having actually met his contact before, but they couldn't get audio of that, so they didn't know she was the contact. He decides to call Carrie while at the bar. Yeah. So Carrie's like, "Whoa, it's on. It's game time. Let's go." Yeah. She goes down to the She's bar. She's a little nervous, mm. but they go, no, you're good at this, Carrie. And they talk, and there's a bit of games, and he's trying to, like, apologise, saying, mm. you know, I'm sorry that you had to go through this, and she's trying to... Yeah, because last season, they got pretty close. Yeah, and I guess this comes out later on. I don't think I realised how much that meant to Carrie. Like, I can see that... Look, you're spending a lot of time watching this guy, you spend time with the guy, you end up becoming intimate with the person, and you can get sort of confused, mixed feelings. Mm. But the whole time she suspected him of being a terrorist, and then it was proved that he was a terrorist. I can understand having confused feelings, I can't understand that she ever thought that was love. It's hard to know because a lot of her claims that she loved him are to him, and you don't know whether that's part of... A mind game she's playing. With I don't him. think it was. I don't think it is it too. I don't think it is too. But it could be. It's possible. I didn't buy it. Anyway, this goes sort of wrong because Carrie thinks that sh- he makes him. So she's supposed to bail Saul, and I think this guy is he called Quinn. Yeah, something Quinn, Quinn something. Dude thinks she's done a good job, but she's like, nah, he made me. So she goes to his room. I thought it was to sleep with him. That's why Charlotte <laughs> just wanted to sleep with him again, and go, nah, nah, he's made me. I better sleep with him just to. Just to make sure uh, he, he believes me. <laughs> but what happens is she confronts him, says, You're a terrorist. You're a bad guy. You're a disgrace to your country. You're going down. And the dudes come crashing through the door and chuck a bag over his head. She's like, I loved you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about Carrie's call here? I don't know if they answered the question later on whether Brody did actually make her. I think if he did, it was the right call to make. And I think just the way the show portrays Carrie, she's good at these judgment calls. So I'm going to back Carrie with this one. I did not see him making her (laughs) in the scene. So Um, episode five is basically just Brody in a room being interrogated. We have Quinn sort of setting this trap of like, do you deny this? Do you deny this? Do you deny this? And then they show him the tape. Yeah. Was this the fifth time in six <laughs> episodes someone's been shown the tape? <laughs> so Brody knows that uh, to an extent they've got him. But I guess he has the fact that he didn't blow up the bomb. 
I, I like Brody's episode. He holds his ground. He doesn't admit to wearing the vest. Mm. I think that's a good move. They only admit what you say in the tape. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I was angry. I said that. <laughs> I was, I wasn't actually going to carry out it out. I think, I think that was a good move for Brody. But then Carrie comes in after he gets stabbed in the hand. Yeah. That was the most interesting thing that got, that guy, he's supposed to sort of play the arrogant, sort of annoying guy, but that you kind of like, cause he's pretty smart and he's sort of interesting yeah. and gets results. But I just kind of find him annoying. Mm. I don't really like, but when he stabbed him, I was kind of like, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> At least he did something interesting. As he said, every good cop needs a bad cop. So he played the bad cop, and Carrie comes in mm. to play the good cop. And they talk for maybe, like, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Far, like, in terms of television shows, they don't often give just two characters that much time to just talk across a table. So just like Bartlett and Toby in 17 People episode of The West Wing. Mm. How do you think Carrie played that? Do you think Carrie did well in trying to get Brody to it? Admit to what he did. Their aim is to stop the terrorist attack. And I think Kerry does a very good job in bringing Brody to a position where he, where, where they can use him as an asset to stop the terrorist attack. So I think she does what she needs to do in the scene. I think if I was Brody, I'd be like, really? You're in love with me? You want to leave my wife and kids and run away with you? You're just touching my hand, like telling me nice things? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd buy it. I think the thing that came out in Brody was that he isn't a bad guy. He doesn't actually want this attack on civilians to go down. Even though he's so angry at Walden for allowing the predator strikes that killed Hmm. Nazir's son that he grew close to, he doesn't really want to be involved in these things. And I think it was just the stress of the lies and the disappointing his wife and getting stabbed in the hand that basically his life was not going in the direction that he wanted it to. Yeah. And I think he basically just got to that tipping point. Mm. So we eventually uh, have the new plan. We'll give Brody immunity if he helps us stop the terrorist attack. So now we're going to be sending him back out, like nothing's happened, but now he'll be getting stuff from the terrorists and passing along to us. So it's sort of revert... And I guess sort of a good plan. They know that uh, Brody has turned against people before. (laughs) <laughs> why wouldn't he turn against those people? And that's maybe a good rule for Abu Nazir. You can't really trust someone that you've turned because if they're going to turn on their old country, they're probably going to turn, they'd be prepared to turn on the new one if you gave them the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, Brody tells them who his contact is, mm-hmm. the woman from the... Hot, the... hot girl. Yeah. <laughs> and so they follow her to a meeting, but they can't get audio of it. Because she has it at a waterfall. Yeah. A, a fountain. A fountain. Um, if you want to do any shady dealings, fountain's the way to go. Yeah. It's a good tip. So they don't get that information, but Brody also tells them about Basil, the guy who got the bomb for him. So they send in the CIA, because they've been, they knew about him, but they were waiting to go in. Mm. But now they know he's not there, they can just go in and they can start looking for yeah. evidence. And we think there is something to find because yeah. when Brody talks to his contact about it, she says there might be. So, yeah. like, she, we can tell that she's worried they're going to find something. Yes. And while Quinn and his, his cronies are there, they get a call from Carrie saying 
oh, look, you might need some backup. We think there is something there. They could come and try and get it. He calls for the backup, but it, just before that backup's able to come, or when they think the backup's there, because students sort of SWAT uniforms come in, just like, bah, 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 bah. they just start mowing down the CIA guys. Well, I was like, what? Um, there must have been something pretty important in that. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder. Well, they pull yeah. a sort of box out of the wall. What was in that? What could be mm. so important? And it also makes me think, man, these guys have some pull. Yeah. Like, I can just... These terrorists have people in America that can just get SWAT uniforms and weapons and just mow down a bunch of CIA guys. Like, Could I argue why they needed Tom Walker and uh, Brody and things yeah. like that if they've got these just, like, bulletproof machine gun men? And one of them takes his helmet off. And it was the guy from the meet. And Carrie's pretty upset that this goes down. Yeah, she flips out and accuses Brody of being a part of this attack. Mm, yeah. But uh, he says, and I think I believe him, that he wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I don't think he was either. Now, obviously, this is uh, all somewhat interesting, um, all this stuff with Brody and Carrie and stuff. But we've probably buried the lead here, because what everyone's interested in is... What's going on with Brody's daughter and the vice president's son? <laughs> That's the storyline everyone's been talking about at the water cooler. <laughs> What's going on there? Well, Dana, she's always been a bit moody, a bit sassy. She leaves her boyfriend, Xander, take that, Xander, for the vice president's son. He's got a cool car, secret service. All the cool toys. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's traded up. <laughs> now, I don't think I even thought about it last season, but this season I thought, like, Dana's kind of pretty. Like, <laughs> I wonder, like, at what at what season I will be able to say that and it be okay. And we just did a bit of research. Just check out oh, the yeah. uh, the age of the actress that plays Dana. October this year, so last month she turned eighteen. What? That's old. So, at the point at which this was filmed, she was probably still 17. But uh, she's now 18. So, I'd probably hold off your creepy comments until season three. Yeah. Over the age of consent in Australia, which is a very important mark. Uh, but yeah, maybe wait for 18. Yeah, if she comes here, social. it's all good. I'll still go with the terrorist over the <laughs> Freddy's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I think uh, this vice president's son, he took her to the Washington Monument one night, like, on a date, I guess. Like, he took her up to the very top private sort of Washington Monument to look out out over all of Washington at night. That's a classy move. Mm. That's sort of what convinced her to dump Xander. He's like, I want to be your boyfriend. She's like, I'm going out with Xander. He's like, oh, who cares? She goes, well, I want to talk to Xander first. I like that when she said she wanted to talk to him first. I don't want to be a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> that was quite a funny line. It was like, because she was showing that she kind of wanted to do the right thing. Mm. But it was funny that that's how a girl would describe it. Like, <laughs> going out with someone else before she broke up with a boyfriend was a dick thing to do. Yeah. Maybe the dick things to do when you got a boyfriend are uh, to be going up the Washington Monument with another guy. Yeah. Maybe that's the dick move. Have the talk you know, even before the before, monument date. Yeah. Before you start going out with a guy. Then the next time he gets a bit cocky, she's dumped Xander for him. So he decides, this is all really impressive, dangerous driving. Yeah. So he just 
he's going to town on those roads. He's like zigzagging. And it's not just empty roads. It's like roads with traffic on. He's just like zooming around cars and through different lanes and things. He's going, this is not cool, man. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, and she, but she was a part of it, though. So apparently girls love the dangerous driving because she's yelling, faster, faster. But as is to be expected, it went wrong, and they hit someone. Hmm. I thought they were probably going to crash. The, the, like yeah. Hitting some lady was like, oh. Then he basically shows himself to be a complete and utter butthole. Like, he doesn't yeah. want to stop to help. Only when she screams does he stop and look around. And he's like, oh, someone else is helping her. Look, oh, I'm the vice president's son. We can't talk about this. Like, that's, like, totally, A, the morally correct thing to do, and, B, the best way to play it in order to keep Dana, for sure. Yeah. Two thumbs up. I think, I think at the end of the day, he doesn't care about Dana as much as he does... Not, not having like, his dad angry at him. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think so, yeah. Definitely a dick move taking someone else's girl up the Washington Monument. Bigger dick move <laughs> to uh, run, run, hit someone, and then drive off. Yeah. Do so we can only hope for more of a uh, <laughs> in the second half of... Will this tie in with anything of the main story? Like, I guess it could bring down the vice president if he, like, helps cover this up. But I'm not sure if this is the direction we want the show yeah. to go. This, like, car incident becoming a big thing. Maybe Brody finds out somehow another reason for him to hate dislike the vice, the vice president. president. Yeah. So is that pretty much all the plot points from the first six episodes? Uh, there's that Mike and Lauder doing some investigating, trying to... Oh, yeah. But I don't know. Setting up their own little detective agency. What happened to Tom Walker, our terrorist friend? That might go somewhere, but I've not really enjoyed that incredibly so far. At the moment, it seems a bit detached from everything, a little trivial, and like it's going to get in the way of the stories as opposed to help the stories move forward. But you never know. Like, they may be the. I, I'm not hating it. So that's what's happened in the first half of season two of Homeland. I guess the follow-up question is, what's next? Yeah, where to from here? Where is the show going? What do we think? Well, there's going to be a terrorist attack. And it's either going to be stopped well, I, or I, not no, stopped. Okay. No. Yes. Seems a bit like 24. The first season, it was about, like, the assassination of a vice president. <laughs> a sort of a... a real, like, if Brody Brown in that building, it would have killed maybe, like, I don't know, 100 people, 50 people, like, a, something like that. I guess this season has moved on to, I think, I'm getting the impression it's going to be, like when 24 moved on to season two, a much bigger scale terrorist attack. They've upped the stakes. Yeah, the stakes are higher. Probably be something, something quite populated, I would guess. Or maybe Congress. I was, I was just thinking in my head, I was like, if I wanted to be involved in a terrorist attack, where would I blow up? <laughs> Uh, I thought that was a very dark path. Yeah, my don't, don't, let's, not, let's not say what we're... Because we would obviously never be terrorists. <laughs> Here's what I'm really intrigued by for the rest of the season, and no surprise, it's Brody. Yeah. Because he's sort of got this agreement with the terrorists to help them. He's also got an agreement to the CIA to help them. And you can see how in both cases, he's got a motivation to help, like, to follow them. Like, there's part of him that sees these terrorists as monsters, but there is part of him that sees the American government as monsters, too. And I'm not sure if the whole season he's just going to be a good guy or a bad guy. He can change. I think he's a swing swing voter in <laughs> Homeland. 
I think there's going to be some more surveillance following him trying to catch who's a part of the plan. Mm. Uh, they're also going to want to find this guy that just mowed down a bunch of CIA officers. There's yeah. going to be some repercussions from that. Yeah, I would imagine so. I think we're going to get more of the Carrie Brody relationship developing on whether they can trust each other, whether they love each other, whether they will help each other for to stop the terrorist attack. Okay, question. Yeah. Will they do it this season? Huh. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. Whoa. I think they will do it this season. <laughs> How many more people do you reckon are going to get shown that tape this season? <laughs> Too many. I think we're probably... It's not going to be heaps more. I feel like we've peaked with the tapes, perhaps. Like, yes, I think maybe we get two more airings of the tape this season would be my prediction there. Mm. What Do you have a number? Uh, I'm hoping it's less. I'll go three. Yeah, okay. I think I think it's good we get a few predictions, and then at the end of the season we can see who's right on most of them. And will Mike and Jessica have sex? Will Mike and Jessica have sex? Uh, ooh, ooh. Like, I know Carrie and Brody are going to be in the show a lot, right? Yeah. Mike's a character they could have one more episode in, and then they decide to go a different direction. Like, uh, <laughs> it's very hard to know. Like, if I knew Mike was going to be in every episode for the rest of this season, I'd probably say yes. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think here's a big prediction. At the end of the season, will Brody be a good guy, a bad guy, or will we have no idea? That's a good question. I think Brody, to me as a character, I think I would lean towards being on the side of a good guy. But it seems less interesting for the show if just he helps them and they stop the attack and then he drops out of politics and goes and lives a normal life elsewhere. Mm. I feel like it'll be somewhere in the middle. Like, he will look like a good guy, but he will have helped the terrorists somehow. Well, yeah, like, I guess I've got a very similar answer to you, and, like, at the end of the season when we're reviewing this, it could be a bit, like, in debate who was right and who was wrong. I'm going to say at the end of the day, he's going to be the one who stops the terrorist attack. I think he is going to be the hero. Whether it means he sided completely with the CIA or not, or whether he's burnt all his bridges with the terrorist organisation, I think he's probably going to do the right thing at the end of the season. That's not really that similar to mine. That was like, he is the hero, he stops the attack, and is a good guy at the end of the season. I'm just trying to make it sound a bit more different. So... Should we give us a verdict? So I think what we decided to do was that we won't give our rating. I think we'll wait for the whole season to come out. Yes, that's, I think, very reasonable. To rate the season fairly. But what we'll do is we'll just give our sort of impressions Mm -hmm. on how it's going. Should you keep watching? If you haven't started, should you watch it? Yes. I really enjoyed Homeland Season 1. I think I gave it 8 out of 10. Season 2 so far, I think the first one or two episodes were a bit slow. Then things started to pick up. I actually think that in terms of plot progression, things that I thought were going to happen, it's actually moved along more quickly than I expected. So they found out that Brody was a terrorist and Carrie was brought back into the CIA and then she confronted him and he got arrested. And this all happened within five episodes. So I like the fact that it's moving quickly, but I think in terms of the execution, some of the 
plot developments and characters and dialogue have been not quite up to the standard of season one. But I think enough has happened that I'm enjoying watching and looking forward to seeing how the season ends. So I think if you're a fan of Homeland and you're watching, keep watching. If you watched season one and liked it, keep watching season two. If you never watched it before, give it a go, but start with season one. Yep, it sounds pretty reasonable. I'm um, just looking at my score for Homeland season one. I gave it 7.5. I think it was a bit of a harsh score. I think it probably should be more in the 8, 8.5 territory. It's a very good season. Um, this season, yes, it's moved a lot quicker. Uh, and in some ways, that's been quite good and exciting to watch. But I think season one so far, I think, was the better season. I think the way that the way the show was a bit more frustrating in season one actually made it a better show because it did sort of like, it made you feel something a bit more. And I think last season there were a couple of storylines and things that happened with, with Jessica and things that I didn't really care for. But this season it seems like there's been a few of them too. With I didn't really like Brody driving out and having to change a tyre and, and, and the vice president's son and Brody's daughter going out. and A few little things like that I found have been a bit tedious and taken me away from what I'm interested in. And we made jokes about how much they play the tape, and they do play it a lot. But this tape has been a game-changer this season. Like, And now we're dealing with very different dynamics. And I really like what they've set up, where they've got Brody in this middle position. I was sceptical when they arrested Brody, and Carrie called him, because I'm like, oh, I was hoping a bit more surveillance before he's exposed. But I like how they've still got him in this sort of covert congressman role. They've set the board for the second half of the season very well because there's so many different directions and things they can go in. So as long as it doesn't, and I love 24, but as long as it doesn't get too 24-ish in the way they deal with the terrorist attack, because that worked well for 24, but I don't think it'll work as well for Homeland, as long as they keep their own style and don't just fall back into that popular sort of action sort of thing, I think it could be a really good season. So I'd definitely be watching Homeland. And I'd say one of the best dramas on TV. Yeah, I think last season I would have had it in my top five. Mm-hmm. This season, we'll, we'll see. Shaping up to be ar- around there. Well, we'll let you know at the end of the season with our uh, complete season review. I think last year it would have been my fourth. Mm-hmm. And uh, this season, who knows, because I haven't seen all the shows. <laughs> like, I was like it's, it, it, it's at a, I would imagine a similar level, but other shows might underperform and others might overperform, so... We don't have anything in housekeeping this week, and this podcast did go quite long for a half-season review. We just know how much people love Homeland, though, and Jonathan does look like he's getting a bit tired, so uh, we might let you get to bed, buddy. <laughs> Need my afternoon nap. Yeah. Homeland fans, plenty to listen to this week. Yeah, people like the Homeland. Hopefully that's enough Homeland for you. Yeah, for six weeks. <laughs> then we'll have some more. Then we'll have another one. And next week, we're heading back to the movies. Yes, that's right. We're going to be reviewing Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Starring Yaquin Phoenix. Yeah, that might be close to how it's pronounced. (laughs) Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of my, I think, one of the greatest actors working today. And the greatest, in your opinion, Amy Adams. (laughs) I'm very excited to see Amy Adams in a movie. So, always excited to see Amy Adams in a movie. (laughs) So, yes, very excited for The Master. So if you're a fan of any of them, look forward to that, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Or maybe if they're just a fan of us. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Okay, bye.
My name is Nicholas Brody, and I'm a sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. I have a wife and two kids who I love. By the time you've watched this, you'll have read a lot of things about me, about what I've done. That's why I wanted to explain myself. So that you know the truth.